Welcome back to another episode of the Hoopers Almanac. This weekend is All-Star Weekend, and Mitch and I are going to be breaking down the highs and the lows of the weekend, which we've sort of enjoyed and sort of not so enjoyed. And we're also going to be flashing it back to the times of yesteryear, which we enjoyed a lot more, and the best three-point contestants and dunk contestants of the recent past. And we're also going to be talking about just the contenders in each side of the NBA and who we think is going to make a run for the title as we are closing out on the regular season of the NBA this year. So looking forward to the conversation. Before we get going, let's bring in our friends from Green Top. We are in the middle of All-Star Weekend. We are recording here on Sunday, February 20th. The big day on Saturday just wrapped up with the tri-events of the Skills Challenge, the Dunk Contest, and the Three-Point Contest. And that's always the day I look forward to the most. And I think it was a little bit disappointing this year, which it has been in years past as well. Mitch, how are you doing today? And what have you thought so far about the All-Star Weekend? So... I, I've seen this like idea thrown around. Can we just make the three-point contest like the closer of the night? Because I feel like yeah. that's just so much more exciting now. I mean, the, I mean, you know, everyone used to get hyped up about the dunk contest. I mean, you had Nate Robinson jumping over uh, Dwight Howard. I mean, in dunk contests, we don't have anything like that. We haven't had anything like that since those Levine Gordon uh, matchups. Um, and I mean, we just haven't had a really fun dunk contest in so long like do you remember when we had paul george like in a dunk contest and he was like decently okay um and it i mean there was i i still enjoyed the three-point contest i didn't get to watch it live but i watched the highlights of it and it was still like fun i mean cat i mean went off and it was it was really cool uh I will say, if for people who think he broke the record, go back and look at Devin Booker whenever he won it, and look at the field, the three point percentage uh, that he had compared to Cats. He didn't have the extra six points, so that's what I'll say about that. Um, however, still that part was fun. The skills challenge looked stupid because the Ante Kumpo brothers can't make a jump shot worth a dang. Yeah, and uh, the Cavs. I mean, I had no doubt the Cavs were going to win that. I liked the rookie combination, but yeah, I was disappointed in the dunk contest, which then makes me overly disappointed for the entire weekend uh, because that being the like thing everyone quote unquote looks forward to uh, just makes it sad because th- like like you, I look forward to this day. Yeah, and I think the highlight of the weekend so far has been the Friday Rising Stars Challenge. I love the new format of that. We talked about that previously, where they sort of have that target number. They played to 50 in the semifinal games, and then they played to 25 in the final. I didn't watch all the games front to back, but I was enjoying most of those games, and they did get very competitive toward the end, and the coaches seemed into it. Mm -hmm. Um, all of that stuff. I love seeing Gary Payton getting heated on the sidelines in an all-star weekend as a coach. Um, and I think there were some upsets too. I, I think team Isaiah was favored to win in that. Um, but team Barry who had the highest odds, um, ended up winning. And then same for the three point contest cat who was plus 11,000, uh, 1,100 rather, um, the highest odds, most unlikely to win three point contest won. Uh, the second highest odds in Obi Toppin won the dunk contest, second highest odds in the skills challenge won the skills challenge. So there wasn't any really any favorites who have really taken it so far, which I suppose is good for the NBA, just a lack of predictability. But the product <laughs> itself that you were putting out there, especially with the dunk contest, was brutal. Well, I mean, give it to Aaron Carter to turn around into a betting podcast yes. again. Um, but no, I, I agree with you. The Rising Stars Challenge was a lot of fun. I can't stand the celebrity game. Like, I really can't oh, no. do it anymore. Like, I watched – like my favorite one was still when, like, Kevin Hart was the MVPs. Like, those were, like, the fun ones or when Justin Bieber was still playing. Um, but, like, when you have Machine Gun Kelly looking like uh, – the favorite thing I loved was the person who – like, someone put it out there. Machine Gun Kelly looks like the guy on 2K who used all his VC to go buy all the tattoos, and that's all he paid for. I mean, it didn't help that you had any skill boost or anything. It was so funny because it's so true. But, I mean, Miles Garrett looked like a behemoth out there amongst the, the, amongst the rest of the, all, the celebrity crew. But, um, yeah, I thought – I thought this weekend the Rising Stars Challenge was 
uh, very much of a uh, high side of it. I'm still shocked that Rick Barry was chosen to be a coach. After yeah. all the crap I've heard about Rick Barry in the past, it just made no sense to me, but here we are. Yeah, I think they could have gone with a better option uh, considering the guys alongside of them, right? They had Worthy, Isaiah Thomas, and Gary Payton, and then you have the fall off to Rick Barry. Um, I mean, I, I mean, Rick Barry had a great career, but I think I think you could have probably selected somebody a bit cooler. Um, I mean, they had Bill Walton. I forget who the other coach was for the Rising Rising Stars, or no, the, the celebrity. celebrity. Was it not Gary? Wait, Gary Payton wasn't in the celebrity one. No, I thought he was a uh, Rising Stars guy. Hold on, I'm coming. You 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 go. I I'm gonna keep looking, but I could have sworn he was a celebrity guy. I know Bill Walton was, and I, well, somebody yeah, asked, everyone knows who Bill Walton was. <laughs> I forget who it was, but um, somebody was asking Bill Walton on the bench. Like Bill Walton said, "All right, you go in for the at the next dead ball," and she said, "Well, who am I going to go in for?" And Bill Walton said, "Just go in for whoever does something wrong." <laughs> and, right. Uh, just loved the candor there. Uh, it was hilarious in the Celebrity All Star Game. I watched a total of two minutes, but it was funny seeing Machine Gun Kelly just get swatted and look like trash out there. Yeah. That that was enjoyable for me. Um, never been a big MGK guy. Um, and it was funny seeing him like try to swat the ball out of Miles Garrett's hands and him just softly touching his bicep. I thought right. that was pretty hilarious. Um, but did you find the answer here on who the coaches were? I swear, NBA must have literally taken off all the like, oh, I mean, the players. Hold on. Hold on. No, that's no. This I really is another pet that. peeve of mine. Like me scrolling through trying to find the scores of the Rising Stars game, it's really hard to do. Like, not no major like sports app. I don't think ESPN did it. Bleacher Report doesn't have it. Like, they don't show the scores of that. The only thing they have up is the All Star game itself. I would love to be able to see live results on my usual app without going to the NBA website where you have to dig through. Um, right. Just a pet peeve of mine. I don't know why that hasn't been widely adopted. <laughs> Seems like it's something that should be easily done. But yeah, no, anyway, I, I can't I can't find it and I'm I'm livid about it. But yeah, it was Isaiah Worthy, uh Barry. Gosh, who was it Gary Payton? It was Gary Payton. Gary. It okay, was Gary Payton, I'm telling you. <laughs> well, Gary Payton also just makes no sense to me while he was one of the coaches. Uh Worthy and Isaiah. I mean, Isaiah was literally a coach. Uh we should get Bill Lambier back out there, you know. Uh I guess he's a WIBA coach. Yeah, he's already he's actually coaching. Right. I guess you're right. <laughs> but anyways, All-Star Weekend, maybe not what we hoped it would be so far. And Bust. for that reason, we are going to sort of take a time travel back in the past and break down who our ideal contestants would be in the three-point competitions and the dunk competition. We are not going to do the skills challenge, for God's sake. We are not going to do the Rising cha- uh, rising Stars challenge. Sure as hell, can do the Celebrity All-Star game. Um we are only focusing on three-point and dunk right now. We're going to break down. There's always six contestants in the three-point contest, and there's always four contestants in the dunk contest. So we're going to list off six for the three-point contest each and four for the dunk contest. Mitch, let's start with the three-point contest, um, since that, for some reason, takes first place chronologically, um, as you mentioned. Who are your top six shooters? Just run through them real quick, and then we can talk about mine and compare and talk. Yeah, so my top six, uh, I feel like the top three are, I mean, you're everyone in everyone's. It's still going to be Steph, Clay, and Ray. That should be in everyone's top three, uh, Ray Allen, for whoever's ju- questioning me. Um, and then uh, I think Reggie Miller has to be in it. I think Larry Bird has to be in it. And then my last one is J.J. Redick. I would love to see J.J. Redick in it. Uh, I mean, late Magic, early Clippers, J.J. Redick is kind of where I'm looking at because, like, when he was still, like, all he did, all he did was catch and shoot. Um, he did compete in it I'm, and when he was on the Magic, um, and I think he might have done it when he was on the Clippers, but that's that would be my sixth. What about you, Aaron? Interesting. So you think Clay Thompson should be a lock no matter what? Has any only one won? Yeah, but still, I mean, he also has been, like, hurt for some of those years and then also, like – I feel like Clay. I mean, Clay's. Here's the deal. In my mind, Clay is the third best like three point shooter of all time. Okay. If not second, it's it's Steph for sure, and then it's either me being biased, it's Ray Allen, but it it probably should be Clay over Ray. People forget James Harden is now fourth all time in threes, and is probably going to be the second most all time. Difference in both Ray Allen and Reggie Miller. 
which is look at, look at percentages. That's going to be my oh, only Oh, no, player. yeah. I get look it. My only he, does a lot, he also does a lot of the dribble. Um, right. Whereas catch and shoot is a bit more, you know, helpful in this event. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. I think it's wild to think about James Harden as the second most prolific shooter of all time. Uh, I just saw that and got a little angry today because nobody's been talking about it. And he's going to pass definitely Reggie this season. Oh, yeah. And yeah. maybe Ray Allen, depending on how his season goes. Maybe not, but I um, say, yeah, probably not Ray. But Ray, Ray probably would be next year. Um, yeah, but it's yeah. just crazy because we made a big deal about Steph, and James Harden is never going to pass Steph unless Steph gets hurt um, for consecutive seasons. But it's it's just crazy to think about the the discrepancy between those two. I don't have Clay Thompson on my list, but really, I do. I do have four of the uh, six guys you mentioned. I also don't have JJ Redick. Our similarities then are Larry Bird, Steph Curry, Reggie Miller, and Ray Allen. I have two different guys on here. Peja Stoyakovich is one of them. I love Peja Stoyakovich. I know you do. With like so much worry in me. <laughs> Always really enjoyed watching him. I think one of the first two Ks I had, he was a three-point contestant. Or was really good at that time. So he was always making the three-point contest whenever I made like a franchise or something. So I always enjoyed playing with him. He also won it twice. So like back-to-back in 02 and 03, he was a really prolific shooter. Top 25 all-time in threes. And when you look about it, um, I mean, he only played 804 games. There are only four guys above him who have more threes than him at fewer games played. That would be Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Dame, Lillard, and Paul George. So I think that's pretty impressive. A lot of those guys ahead of him are just have played a lot longer or shot a higher volume. So I think Peja Stojakovic is a really, really good shooter and clearly excelled in the three-point contest. So I'd love to see him. Okay. Thoughts on that? No, I mean, I I get it. I mean, I pay. So here's my deal for both of these. I had like a short list and I like doubled like the amount of contestants, like to like the actual list. And Peja does like crack my top 12. Uh, I threw JJ Reddick on there just because it was fun and because I I thought I was he's definitely on top of mind because I listened to his podcast uh, yesterday with Jason Tatum. So that that was probably why. Um, but also, I, I don't hate the Peja pick. I mean, when he was on the Kings, he was ridiculous. He's yep. that 2000. Uh, two Kings team ruins me on 2K whenever I like play any like classic career and like he's the re- him and Chris Webber are the reason why. So I don't hate the pick at all. But what about who's that sixth guy? He was also really good in New Orleans with Chris Paul, uh, David West. I love those teams as well. He's like the only other player besides those two that is actually good. Um, the last guy is going to be surprising to you, Craig Hodges. No, I don't hate that. I don't hate it at all. Do all right. Well, I'm, I'm glad you don't. I uh. Uh, candidly, I've heard of him. I knew who he was, but didn't know a lot about his career until I did some research today. He's won it three different times. Mm-hmm. All were consecutive, 90, 91, 92. He was very forgotten, uh, ended up being a prominent bench guy on the late Michael Jordan or early Michael Jordan teams when they won the finals. Um, and I don't know if you know much about him as a person off the court, but he was a really vocal activist as well and got mm-hmm. into it a bit with MJ came out after the documentary and said some things about MJ saying when Michael Jordan in the documentary called uh, the early bulls teams, like the cocaine circus, he uh, I don't believe he was a part of those teams, but he, he said he didn't like that because you know, if those families are watching those ex players and there's like a 12 year old, you know, the kids sitting by him, like, it's just not a good situation, which I'm sure MJ wasn't lying, uh, but I, I do kind of agree with Craig Hodges there. And in general, like he was a really efficient player. He led the league in three point percentage three different times. One year he shot 49%. And I mean, you got to take into account like the pure volume, right? Like you think of Steph Curry, Ray Allen, Reggie Miller, Clay, those guys are shooting a lot more threes per game, but it's not like Craig Hodges was shooting a, really low amount at that time. Like it was relatively decent and he was just way more efficient than everybody. Um, also just some cool fun facts about his activism. Uh, after During the 91 finals, he proposed uh, a peaceful protest with when they were playing the Lakers, the Bulls were playing mm-hmm. the Lakers and yeah. they were essentially just going to like lock arms during the anthem, pretty similar to what happens today. 
and Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson weren't on board. It seemed like everybody else was. They said it was too radical, and so it didn't end up happening. Um, he also ended up writing a letter to George H.W. Bush that year when they went to the White House after winning the finals, talking about systemic racism. And after that, was then blackballed from the NBA. And the Bulls cut him, and nobody ever signed him. I think he played one year in Europe and then ended up retiring. So uh, I, I just loved his story, too. And I feel like based on that, he's clearly a prideful person who's not shaken by uh, the moment clearly. Um, and so I, I would love to see him in that contest too. Just obviously he's had success there. Seems like an awesome person too. So wanted to give him a shout out, but yeah, Craig Hodges is my number six. I, so the first game they ever had, like the throwback Jordan teams on, like I think it was 2000, the 2k 11 Craig Hodges is on that team. And I would maneuver the lineup so that Michael Jordan would be the point guard and that Craig Hodges was the two. So that way I could just shoot threes with Craig Hodges. So I totally get it. Um, yesterday, Reg uh, on the like pregame show for like the all like the skills challenges and everything like that, Reggie Miller and Steph Curry sat down and Reggie put, Miller put him on his top four. Wow. Like in his top four guys to have in, like, in, a sh- in his three-point shootout. So I was – I'm not shocked. He is also my top 12 – uh, I'm surprised neither of us said Steve Kerr. I thought about it. I did too. Drazen Petrovic was another one that I was thinking of. Um, and then the only one, uh, Kyle Korver was also on my like honorable mention list. Um, and then also, um, Jason Capono. God, no, <laughs> no. Um, Dirk? Oh, uh, Dirk was up there. I, I didn't think of him as like a catch and shoot guy. And that's what kind of threw me off. Um, Chris Mullen was also up there, but I also, again, it was like he wasn't as much of a catch and shoot guy. So, but no, I, I don't hate your six at all. It's a, that's a solid six. And I think Hodges would be a good one. I love that we both had Bird on there and we weren't afraid mm-hmm. to like, you know, say, yeah, he was in the 80s, but this man was ridiculous to shoot, a ridiculous shooter. I mean, he won it what twice? Yep. Uh, he won a three, the three point contest twice. And his, he still has a historic moment where he hit the final shot and he's pointing up. He's like, I already won this thing. Get out of here. Um, so no, I, I love, I love the three point contest. It is. That's the reason I look forward to Saturdays on, uh, for the, uh, of the NBA all-star weekend is because of the three point contest. It's my favorite thing. Me too. The other event that always makes headlines, um, and not for good reasons anymore is the dunk contest, but, with the contestants that we're talking about, Mitch, at least on my list, I'm sure your list is also intriguing. Um, I would tune into this. I would watch this on repeat every single day. Yep. Uh, I think this would be, I just, I wish we went back to the time where actual stars <laughs> participate in the dunk contest. Like right. I've seen screenshots or posts on Twitter about like put John Morant in Zion Williamson would be awesome. You know, some of these high flying stars would be really exciting, but my all-time list of top four guys I'd love to see in the dunk contest. Vince Carter, number one. Absolutely. Obviously famed for his 2000 performance where he put his arm in the rim. Michael Jordan, classic free throw line dunk in 88. Um, great dunk dunk winner as well. Dominique Wilkins, two-time yes. winner. One of the more athletic players who uh, ran into some trouble in the playoffs at times, but is a Amazing athlete and won the dunk contest a few times. And lastly, Jason Richardson. Jason Richardson's one of my favorite players to watch back in the day. I loved him on the Warriors teams uh, in Philly as well. He's so athletic. Um, he won as well twice in 02 and 03. I think he'd be a really fun, like, raw athlete player to put in there. Um, obviously, there are a lot of guys you can go with here, but I just really have a I have a soft spot for Jason Richardson, so he's my fourth. I love that you put the uh, that you put Dominique Wilkins in there, the guy who was the James Harden of today, who couldn't make it past the make it make it to a finals ever. Um, well, I guess Harden Harden make it with a Thunder, but I don't count that. Um, so my whole th- I I love that. I love that you have Wilkins on there. That makes me happy, and I totally agree with you that it. I mean, we the fact that we never got a LeBron James dunk contest is wild mm-hmm. to me. Or um, that's just ridiculous. And so I, I love that. I am shocked that you had none, no one passed like 2005, like when it comes to contestants, because I, I mean, there's the, the I'm going to bring up at least I have one of them on mine. Um, mm-hmm. And so 
Um, but yeah, I, I think your your squad is your squad's great, and of course, like Vince Carter has to make it. I mean, right? He's, I mean, the best. That is the best on contest we've. I mean, the performance we've seen. Uh, so I love it. Yeah, I mean, I can talk about some guys I thought about like post two thousand five. I think there were maybe three three names I considered. I mean, Jason Richardson had a prominent role in the NBA. Well past that, but I was successful in the, right, but was successful in the dunk contest contest before that when he was a bit younger. So, um, yeah. All right. What's your list? Yeah. The guys on my list. Uh, so I had Vince Carter too. I mean, that's impossible to leave him off. Uh, so like I said, I had a, I had a short list of 12 for this three point contest. I had a short list of eight for this. Um, I'm going to make it a little different since, you know, variety for the heck of it. Uh, I had Zach Levine on there. Uh, one of the best dunk contests of all the 2010s. I mean, if, if not the best dunk contest performance uh, when it comes to him versus Aaron Gordon. I have Nate Robinson. I mean, I mean the man. I mean Kryptonite, the Kryptonite uh, jersey when he was on the Knicks. Still one of the best dunk contest like performances I've seen. Uh, to jump, uh, oh my gosh, that was fabulous. Uh, to jump over Shaq, beautiful. And then um, I going with sticking small here, going with Spud Webb, yep. the man the, who replaced Michael Jordan in the dunk contest. In 89, to beat out his own teammate, Dominique Wilkins. Suck it, Wilkins. And so to have a guy who's 5'6 beat you in a dunk contest, that's hilarious. Also, the stuff that Spud Webb was doing out there was nuts. Um, thank God he couldn't do it whenever there was players on the court because he had no way he was actually be able to do that. But honestly, that would be – that was my, like, go-to whenever I was thinking of just, like, dunk contests. I didn't think of any big men. There's no way I was thinking – the only other big – the only big man you could think of might be Dwight Howard or yeah. I guess you could have thought, like, Blake Griffin, uh, early Clippers Blake Griffin. Um, but yeah, that was my four. Yeah. I mean, I think all those guys are, are good, good selections. I thought about Levine. I thought about Howard. Um, I thought about Nate Robinson. Those are the three guys that I remember and Aaron Gordon who didn't win, but should have won, um, at least co won uh, during that first time with Levine. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, those are all guys that I remember and actually enjoyed watching their contests. I just tried to go a bit more historic with it. Um, I think maybe Jason Richardson could fall out for somebody like Zach Levine. I do. Obviously I don't remember Jason Richardson's contest. I just remember him as a player, like in-game dunker was fantastic. Um, Zach Levine hasn't been as good of an in-game dunker. Um, I mean, he's he's still really good, but I just remember Jason Richardson just being an absolute animal in-game. So I, I think that was part of the reason that, skewed my voting there but I yeah I, I I love all the selections I love the little guys as well I considered that I feel like whenever it comes down to ranking mm-hmm. for the judges like they're gonna give the little guy extra credit because it's yep. like you your eyes are deceiving you like how is this happening so it's questioning to me like are they really that good of a dunker or is it being skewed because of that visual that like discrepancy um, so I don't know. It's, it's very interesting conversation. Watch, go back and watch the spud web dunk contest because it's actually like kind of fun. And then the, go actually do yourself a favor and watch the Jason Richardson dunk contest. They're a lot of fun too. They're on NBA uh, league pass. They, they have those, like some of the old dunk contests on there for you to watch. Um, so they're worth the time, honestly, better than they, I would, I would rather have rewatch. I rewatched like all of them up till like the 2010s until we got to Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine. And then, after that, it's just all crapola. Yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, you know, we can create a video game at some point that we can put together these all-time rosters of three-point contests and dunk contests. I don't know why that's not a capability now, but uh, loved making these lists. This was a lot of fun. Hope the All-Star game tonight is a bit intriguing. Right. We're not going to talk about it, though. We're going to take a break and come back when we discuss our contenders in both sides of the NBA and who he thinks is going to win the title this year. We'll be right back. We are back with some contender talk here with the uh, All-Star Game, we All-Star Weekend. You know, it's always like there's about roughly 20 to 25 games left for every team. Uh, down the stretch here, we are over, I mean, we're over three-fourths of the way in practically. Um, and so, you know, it's always time just to kind of look 
look ahead, see what the playoffs are all about, see who's going to be fighting for the playing games or like to be out of the playing games. Um, but also just more importantly, who the heck is going to be even like contending for the NBA finals. Uh, if you listen to our earlier podcasts this year, we talked about the Eastern conference and Western conference breakdown. We had labeled in our bill Russell class, who was like our contenders for this year. Uh, but we are going to start with the Western conference and the guy who broke it down for us was Aaron, Aaron, who are you're still in your bill Russell class or in your contenders when it comes to this year's Western conference. Yeah. Uh, I got three teams. Uh, I would have to go back and look at who originally made it. It wasn't the Warriors. I think the Lakers were in there. Yes, they were. Uh, and they are no longer there. I don't know if the Jazz were in there, but I think you had the Mavs. I think the Mavs were in there too, and they they're not going to the be nuggets. there anymore. In the Nuggets, the Nuggets, the nuggets were the other are there. One. So I got three. Uh, there are more teams in the East right now, just the way it's structured, that I think can win a title than there are in the West. The two heavyweights are the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors. I think that largely goes without explaining. They've been the best two teams start to finish in the NBA this season, um, especially the Suns. The Suns have yeah. lost one game in a calendar month, being January, early January to early February at the All-Star break. They had lost one game in literally 31 days, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and I think it was by like five points. They're also the most clutch team in the NBA. I think they're like 23 and three in clutch games this year. So they close games, which is huge for the playoffs. I think they're the favorites out in the West. Um, I know the Warriors have surprised a lot of people this year, including myself. I have the Suns a bit higher. And my third team, I think this is sort of a tentative pick and hinders on a few things to fall the right way in terms of injuries, but it's the Denver Nuggets. Oh my gosh. It's the Denver Nuggets. When you look at the rest of the West, I don't think the, as much as I've loved the Grizzlies story this year, I don't think they're going to win a title. I don't even Mm -hmm. think they have a realistic shot to make the Western conference finals. They don't have a real second guy. John Morant's been fantastic, but when you need a second guy, I don't trust Jaron Jackson yet. I don't trust Desmond Bain yet in that seven game series against the Golden State Warriors of the Phoenix Suns. Um, also, they might be playing Denver in the first round. So I don't trust Memphis. I don't trust Utah. We've gone into that in depth. Oh, but God, no. If you've been following our best bets on Twitter, we're sorry. <laughs> um, but the most recent was Utah minus three and a half, and they were rolling all game, and they just completely fell apart. It just looked like emotionally they didn't have it. They didn't have the toughness to finish. Rudy Gobert's been an issue all year. Donovan Mitchell's been fantastic, but that team looks even worse in the past couple of years. In the past couple of years, they haven't been able to close in the playoffs. Dallas has looked like a shell of themselves. They traded away Chris Tepps for Zingas. We're not really sure what they're going to look like. Then that essentially leaves the Denver Nuggets at the number six slot. It is becoming more and more likely that Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. return, particularly Jamal Murray. I think around those guys, once they're back, the additions of Bryn Forbes, the emergence of Aaron Gordon, uh, the emergence of Monte Morris, who hit a game-winning three the other night in Golden State. Those guys, are, I mean, they've improved the team around the stars. We just need more help for Jokic up top. And I think Jamal Murray provides that. And I think those top three guys, if they're playing at their best, uh, I think they have a realistic shot to beat the Warriors or beat the Suns in a series. And I don't, I couldn't say the same for Memphis, Utah, or Dallas or any other team in the West. So that's the only reason I have Denver up there is because I believe at full strength with their second and third stars back, they actually have a realistic shot to beat the top two teams in the West. So I'm going to give a little pushback because I think with Jamal Murray, yes. Weirdly, I think if they bring back Murray and MPJ, I am a little more worried. Because MPJ, as we've seen just throughout his career so far in the NBA, his defensive is def- he's a defensive liability, and that's what I think the Nuggets have been good at this year is defense, and which has been a very a huge improvement. I mean, as a Nuggets fan, you know this so well. I mean, they they have weirdly been very good on defense whenever you needed them to be, um, and Jokic is having the best defensive years uh, rating of his career. Uh, you've got guys who are I mean, you got Aaron Gordon who has been a great defensive. Uh, I mean, Stallbach for any guy who they go up against, they throw him on almost any wing and just about almost any two yard. Monte Morris is solid on defense. He's not like an 
a B plus defender, but he's a solid defender just to even have out there. Murray will show off and Murray will try on defense. That's what I, that's why I like about having Murray is the man is a hustler. He doesn't, he doesn't go in it half-assed Michael Porter jr. That is what worries me. I I'd rather, I I'd rather not rush him back. And I would rather, I mean, not to say you're rushing Murray back because he's been out for, I mean, a year now, I mean, almost a year now. So I, no, I only worry is if Michael Porter Jr. comes back, that's what worries me is that your defense might slide back a little bit. But I think Murray having Murray will help out a lot. Um, man, contender though, I don't know. Those just those two top teams in the West are just killer. The Jokic matchup does cause a lot of issues when it comes to even the Warriors. Aiton might Aiton's not like gonna uh, stop him by any means, but it's actually someone at least throw at Jokic. So I. I don't love it, but I, I can't say I absolutely hate it. Yeah, I just think that I don't realistically see any other team. I mean, oh, no. in all reality, this could be a two-team list. I think I wanted to make it three to spice things up. Um, I think the Jokic, is, the Jokic is the best player in the NBA. He should win MVP again. They're scoring like 115 points with him on the court. Off the court, he's like, it's like 100. Like, mm-hmm. it is the greatest difference in the NBA. He's the most important player in the NBA. And against the Warriors, that's a huge, huge advantage. They've The Warriors have win healthy and Draymond Green's in the lineup. They've done a lot of double teaming, which has worked all right. But if you have guys like Jamal Murray on the floor, you don't have to rely on posting up Jokic every single play. Right. And that just means so much. And guys like Aaron Gordon are really important too when there's another star on the floor. Like he's not being asked to do as much. Um, I just, I just think with Jamal back, it makes this team completely different. And the fact that they're even like in the sixth seed right now is incredibly impressive and they could get a relatively easy first round matchup. Uh, I mean, as long as you don't have to play the Suns or the Warriors in the first round, like, I think that's a win. So uh, I think that's ideal when you play either the jazz or the Mavs or the Grizzlies. I like my chances against all those teams of Jamal's back and you have MPJ back. I mean, I agree with you on the defense, but he does space the floor, and if teams choose to double Jokic, then just don't don't be asked to do too much. Hit open threes. Uh, yeah. Please don't try to go ISO, and as soon as you catch the ball, you only are going to shoot, which he does a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And then if we can try to hide him on defense on a guy like Draymond Green, that'd be fantastic. Or, I don't know, uh, Jay Crowder on, on the on the Suns. I, I think there are people you could hide MPJ on if you want. Now, guys like Chris Paul, guys like Seth Curry are going to figure out a way to get on him and on a pick and roll and get a switch mismatch, but that's something you're going to have to live with. If you get 15 a night from him, I mean, that's just way more important over the long haul, I think. So I just think at their best, they have the potential to beat either one of these teams in the series. And that's why they're on my list. Yeah. I, I like them a lot when it comes like the matchups against the jazz and the uh, Mavericks, those two matchups mean, I mean, I honestly think you, it's not like you're going to have a guy to go like, stop Luca by any means that's the that's the difference to me you don't have I mean you, they don't have anyone to guard neither of those teams have a guy to guard Jokic but you don't have a guy to guard uh Luca and you don't have a guy to guard Donovan Mitchell I mean we've seen that in the matchups in the past when it comes to the Jazz Nuggets um so you guys got two both both teams have an unstoppable force uh I think the difference being that Jokic is a much better facilitator than Donovan Mitchell Donovan I mean Doncic has been a great facilitator uh, even for the Mavs, um, especially recently, he's gone off a little bit. Um, but still, I I do like their their chances against them. The Grizzlies is the one that gives me a little bit of pause because uh, I like the fact that they can like be a little bit more physical with the Nuggets, and they will still be able to like you know grind out a seven game series against them. Um, but I do think they would have still the upper hand against the Grizzlies. But I'm with you. I think this is a two team conference. Uh, I think it's it's narrowed down to them. And if you had to choose a three, maybe I, I maybe you would say the Nuggets. It's either the Nuggets or the Grizzlies for me. Um, but I do think it's the top two in the Western Conference. So you have you have two teams on your list, just the Warriors and the Suns. Yeah. Uh, and if I needed to expand it, I would probably say the Grizzlies and the Nuggets. Yeah. I mean, so, and the other thing that you don't predict for is injuries. Right. You know, like if somebody, the Suns have had incredible health all year. Mm-hmm. Nobody's really been hurt. They've had a few games of Devin Booker being out with some hamstring tightness. Nothing crazy. I know he missed the second game against the Warriors when they played twice in a week um, with some hamstring tightness. But 
they've been really lucky. And so you wonder, do they have some lack of luck coming their way? Right. Like it's, they had last year, like a Chris Paul injury that clearly affected them. And they, they still won the Lakers series because the Lakers team was in shambles and mm-hmm. AD was also hurt. But uh, I mean, if a Chris Paul gets hurt, if a Devin Booker gets hurt, uh, that really hurts them too. I mean, the same could be said for the Warriors if a Steph Curry gets hurt. I mean, Clay, we haven't seen the best of Clay yet. Draymond's still not back. I think he'll be fine come playoff time, but injuries can open the door for almost any team. And I think the Nuggets could capitalize on that as well. But I agree right now it's a two horse race. I'm just intrigued to see a, a possible second round matchup. If the Nuggets are fully healthy, I think they could at least take it five or probably six games against a Warriors team mm-hmm. at, at the, at the very worst, I think they could make it competitive. So that's the West. Let's spend more time in the East Mitch, because that conference I mean, you could argue every single team in the playoff picture right now could maybe make a run, but who do you actually see as a contender out there? How many teams do you have and who are those teams? So the former champs, the Bucks, are uh, the number one team. I, I mean, the number one contender when it comes to the Eastern Conference. That's, that's who I have to start us off, followed by the other team who has made the East, uh, finals in the past two years in the Eastern Conference, the Miami Heat. Those are the top two teams when I'm looking at the Eastern Conference right now. And I'm like, okay, I can trust these two teams to make it at least this, for sure to the second round, if not to the Eastern Conference Finals. Those are the two, and that's my prediction when it comes to Eastern Conference Finals. Third team, and definitely biased, it's the Celtics, but the, how, how hot they've looked recently. Their offense is number nine in the league, number one defense in the league. Uh, they have looked fa- fantastic. Uh, yes, they lost to the Pistons, but let's just not forget that Marcus Martin and Robert Williams were both hurt for that game after they won the nine straight. Um, so I still think that I think they're a contender. Do I think on the, they're the lower level of contenders? Yes, but welcome to the Eastern Conference where it, could, it is so wide open right now. Um, I don't, teams, I two teams I don't think are contenders, the Cleveland Cavaliers, don't think they're, don't think they're contender. And I do not think the Brooklyn Nets are a contender. Both teams are not contenders in my eyes, unless the, the there is the big if for the Nets, unless New York decides to let them mandate for vaccinations and then Kyrie starts playing more than two weeks before the season ends. That's my one difference. If he's if he gets like two weeks with the Nets, that changes everything because you actually have a, a secondary guy for Katie to go to. Plus, you also have to think Katie might have how long Katie will be out. That's the end of my list. I don't think the Sixers are a contender. Wow. I at you you said you had doubled the amount of Eastern Conference guys that you had Western Conference. I had the same amount. I think it's literally just the three teams. I think it's the Celtics, I think it's the Heat, and I think it's the Bucks. A team you didn't mention is the Bulls. You're also out on the Bulls. I am out on the Bulls. And can I say why? Sure. Injuries. Injuries okay. and they have had bad injury luck like the Nuggets. However, one thing in the Eastern Conference that it seems to be so dominant, who the heck is going to guard Giannis and who the heck is going to guard Joel Embiid on the Bulls? That is my difference in those two series. Joel Embiid has ruined Nikola Vucevic in every time they've played them. You're asking Tristan Thompson to now take over for that? Have fun with that. I've watched that happen. It's no fun. <laughs> the, the argument, all right, so I'm just going to run through my list. I have all the three teams you mentioned, but I also have – I see a world in which the Nets win the title. I see a world in which the Sixers win the title. And I see a world in which the Bulls can win the title. I think the Bulls is the least likely of those scenarios. Okay. I think the Nets come in at the fourth most likely behind the three teams you mentioned. Uh, And then the Sixers are the fifth most likely. And then the Bulls. I like that you had the Celtics up in the top three, though. That makes me very happy. (laughs) I mean, the only thing is, is I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can win you a series. Uh, And. I think their def- the defense is incredible. That's that's Fantastic. the one reason I'm on their train. And I think I love the Derek White addition. Uh, Robert Williams has been the best, one of the best defensive players in the league, maybe the best defensive player in the league this year. If he's not um, in the top five defensive player of the year voting, I'm going to raise havoc on the NBA offices. You have two of the top 25 players in the NBA, two guys who should be all-stars every year. Um, I mean, you're still relying on some guys that I don't love, but I think they could beat any of these teams in a series just given their defense and you're relying on a few hot nights from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, which they can do. I mean, they've been at the Eastern Conference Finals with much worse teams. 
So I feel like they're finally starting to click. And they've also had continuity. Like they've gone through the ups and downs this year, but they've had basically the same guys year in, year uh, every single game this year, which I think is important. You haven't had question marks looming over your team like the Sixers and the Nets all year or mm-hmm. injuries with the Heat or post-championship uh, year hangover with the Bucks. Like it's just been, we're going to grind it out. We know we're not playing to our best potential. And I think they could easily beat any of these teams in a series. So I think they're contenders. Uh, I don't think we need to talk about the Bucks and the Heat particularly. I think those are our two favorite teams in the conference right now. Right. The only case I make for the Bulls here is I agree. There's not a chance they can guard Giannis or Joel Embiid. My counter argument is I don't think anybody can. So I think those guys can really get whatever they want. I mean, you can slow them down, but let's, for instance, talk about LeBron James getting slowed down and Andre Iguodala getting honored for slowing him down and winning the NBA finals MVP. LeBron still averaged over 30 that series. Wild like, to me that he won the MVP that year. Still doesn't make any sense to me. Like, yeah, when you're watching the game, like there are definitely possessions where Andre Godala's defense was incredible and those possessions mattered. But on the whole, LeBron was still LeBron. I think the same can be said for Giannis and uh, Joel Embiid. Now, are other teams better positioned to slow them down than the Bulls? Certainly. The Celtics are one of those teams. But the biggest thing why I like the Bulls is they have two scorers who can score from anywhere on the floor. DeMar DeRozan has been an MVP level player this year. I also think that their two guards in Caruso and Ball are maybe the most important players in a playoff series because they can really switch off on a James Harden and shut him down if you're the Sixers. So it's like, all right, we can let Joel Embiid get 50, but James Harden's not going to do anything, or at least we're going to slow him down uh, very much where he is basically a non-factor. And then we're going to force guys like Matisse Thibel to shoot Tyrese Maxey. You're going to have to make threes. Like I think the Sixers are very vulnerable and I think the bulls match up very well with them, despite the biggest strength for the Sixers being the bulls biggest weakness. I think every other factor of that, the bulls can say, all right, Embiid, score 50. We're still going to beat you. Um, and I think they can do that same identity for uh, a lot of other teams. I just think those two guards in Caruso and ball, are really, really important and can shut down a lot of these guards. And if DeRozan and Levine are consistent enough and Vooch is not super soft, they can <laughs> they can beat any of these teams in a series. Now, can they do it for three rounds in a row? Probably not. Uh, that's why I think they're the least likely out of the six. But I'm not counting it out because, as you said, if injuries fall the right way or if they get a nice matchup in the first round and they, maybe there's an upset elsewhere, like the Nets might be an eight or seven seed. They could beat one of the top two seeds. Um, so I, I don't know. I think the bulls have a shot. I, I really, I think it's bad to discount them right now. And I think ball and Caruso are the, the main reason why. So don't forget the the Sixers have another star in Tobias Harris, Aaron, come on. You, you just left him just sitting there and you're not even going to like mention him. <laughs> yeah. I, no. I'm sorry. Sorry, Tobias. You're not. And neither am I. Um, so my point is I, I understand the Bulls. Like, I, I get it. DeMar DeRozan has had an MVP year. There's no – I mean, MVP-esque year. Um, too bad he has to go up against the likes of Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, Giannis when it comes to an MVP race, which also – I don't know the last time we had, like, three quote-unquote big men as, like, the top three guys in an MVP race, which is wild to me. Um, so, I love that. Um, however, I – defense is why I love those top three teams. And – the fact that they can play both offense and defense is why we both have them in their top three. That's what worries me about the nets. Cause they only have offense. Their defense is quite, quite atrocious. Now they will have Ben Simmons, yep. whether or not, whenever he plays is also just uh, a big if, um, and where they will be, uh, like end up in the standings. Cause right now my project, my projected is that they're going to be in the eighth seed and they're going to be fighting to get to play in that eight or seven seed for like that first round which then leads me to think, okay, so you're going to go up against the Bucks of the Heat, one heck of a matchup that you're going to have to go up against. There were reports that Kevin Durant could come back as early as two games after the All-Star break. I think they're going to give him a bit more time, maybe right. a week or two after, but he's still going to get a week of regular season and at the very very least. Right. Now that still might put him in a seven seed. I I put it in my notes. I think the Nets have the toughest road to get to the finals. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Seat. If you're playing the Heat or the Bucks or the Bulls even in the first round. And then you have to play a Sixers or a Celtics. Um, and then you got to play probably one of those six teams again. 
and then you maybe have to play the Suns or the Warriors. <laughs> like, yeah. that might be the hardest, hardest road we've seen in the playoffs for a team that was the favorite coming into the season. Like, Wild it, what an insane turnaround. I just think you can't discount KD. I mean, we saw how excellent he was during the regular season when he's been healthy. In the playoffs last year, he was the best player in the NBA. Absolutely unstoppable. Basically almost beat the champion, eventual champions by himself. Uh, James Harden was on one leg. Kyrie was out. <laughs> the rest of their teams, the rest of their team, as you all know. Like Griffin, man. Right. Uh, but, I mean, I think if KD's like that, they can still run, uh, yeah. make a run for, for a title. So, I don't know. The East is wide open. I'd agree. The Cavs, sorry, we love your story, but I don't think you have a shot to win the finals this year. The other team in the playoff picture is the Raptors. They just don't have enough offense. I think they could make it tough on one of these teams in a series, maybe squeak out two games, uh, just play incredible defense and get a few hot nights from Van Vliet or Siakam, but they're not going to win four games against one of the six teams we mentioned. Uh, if the Hornets or Hawks somehow sneak in there, they don't have good enough defenses at all. They can maybe put up 120 points a night, but they're not going to be able to slow down anybody. So uh, I think the six teams we talked about are the six teams to consider. But let's break it down for the top contender, maybe one or two teams, Mitch. Do you think it's the Bucks and the Heat as the top two teams? I do. Um, and like you, the Celtics are number three. And like, I mean, that that is my three. Um, I had three. I had two in the West, three in the East, uh, because like you said, the East is so wide open. However, just I love how well both te- these teams have played and the moves that the Buc- – I love the Sergi Baca pickup uh, for the Bucs uh, during the trade deadline, which kind of serves – I mean, sures up their backup – I mean, their center spot. Um, so the Heat and the Bucks are my pick, especially with the Heat being as deep as they are. I wish – and also the fact that we haven't talked about this guy, Goran Dragic is out there and he's probably going to go to the one of these two teams when he'll sure up a point guard spot for these two teams. So I, I think these are my, these are definitely my two, two top teams in the East. Yep. I agree. Uh, I have, I have the bucks as the most likely team to make the finals out of the East. And I think I have the heat as well. Uh, I, I really love the heat team. I think some of their offensive characteristics give me some pause Mm -hmm. uh, especially against some of these stars in the east Uh, but I I think the Heat are the one of the more complete teams in the NBA and they're well coached they're not going to get out coached by anybody Mm -hmm. they have an incredible home court advantage as well which shouldn't be discounted in the playoffs I mean we saw some of that last year toward the end when stadiums started getting filled up Phoenix and Phoenix especially was incredibly hard to play in Uh, out east I think Milwaukee has a great environment. Chicago has a great Toronto. environment. Miami has a great environment. Toronto's still not allowing fans. I don't know if that's going to change. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Thank you. Boston, a uh, great play. fan base. Philly, too. Uh, I, I The Nets are tough uh, at home court advantage. I don't know about Cleveland. Uh, but, you know, this should be a consideration, too. Out West, I think the Suns and the Warriors have the best two crowds by far. Everybody else is kind of ish. Uh, maybe the Jazz. But again, the Jazz are not going to win a title. So I think you should all be making, taking that into consideration as well when thinking about who's who can win the finals this year, because that's going to be a big X factor, um, and make especially for road teams. Like if the Nets have to flip home court every series too, that's really hard to do. Uh, you're going to have to win at least one road game every single time. So well, you do have Kyrie on the road games, so that always helps. That's true. Yeah. So we both have. Two teams we both, I mean, on both sides that we both love. Um, we're, we're looking at like you know, it's we've literally done this every time whenever we have a guest on, and I feel like our your pick probably hasn't changed, has it? I don't think it has. When it comes like the, the finals prediction, so Aaron, is your finals prediction still a rematch for next year? I think it's still the Suns and the Bucks. Yes. All right, and I have the Suns winning. Yeah, the Suns winning the re- the rematch this year. Yes. Making us go to have to finally find a way to get a three-peat somewhere in here when it comes to these two teams. Okay. Uh, last time we checked in with me, I was on the Heat Warriors. And it for most of the season, it was Bucks Warriors. And I think I'm going back to that. I think I'm switching back to Bucks Warriors. Um, I, I, I think Giannis is going to be, I mean, he's flipped the switch. He flipped the switch right before the, 
like of like, okay, it's time for me to like take over. And you flip the switch and had that 50 point game right before the all-star break. I think this is that this is when he starts to go off. Plus you brought, I'm going to go back to the Celtics talk real quick. You talked about how like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have started to like work how to play, learn how to play together and like be leaders. Let's also not forget that they always have their best games in the second after post all-star break. Jason Tatum had his 61, his 60 point game last year after the all-star break. Jalen Brown has had over, I mean, like, four over 40 point games after the all-star break. Yeah. I mean, in his, in his career, this is when the Celtics start to get hot whenever they have like their two stars get, get going here. So that makes me, that's when they're going to get dangerous, but I still think it's the bucks and the warriors in my finals. So the sun's creeping out to a, a solid first place lead. Hasn't driven you away from picking the warriors. That, that, that is, but I think I do think both. I think that series does go seven. There's no if and or but about it. I think that series does go seven, and the difference I feel like is Chris Paul. Chris Paul has is had issue. Like you brought it up earlier, is his injury luck. He's a great. He can play all 82 games in most of the seasons. I, I and he'll sit out a game or two here and there because of just like small little things. You go back and look at his just playoff like like playoff history, and the reason why he loses is either he gets hurt or one of his best players gets hurt. Last year he got hurt, and I I think he's definitely creeping up on that age where that durability is going to start hurting him. And so I I worry about his age and worry about his health and his like injury health when we get closer to like the end of the season, especially when we get closer to like the uh, end of the playoffs. One reason I. I'm not in love with the Warriors right now as it compares to the Suns is right. Clay Thompson. I didn't expect him to be the Clay Thompson of old. Right. I think a lot of people did though. Everybody kept saying, Oh, there's look how good the Warriors are now and just wait till they get Clay back. I haven't been super impressed with how the Warriors have played without Clay. Now I will caveat that Draymond Green's been out for a lot of that. And I think Draymond Green's more important to this team than Clay Thompson, to be quite frank. Um, but I don't think Clay Thompson is even a top five player on the floor in the Suns Warriors series. Um, I have Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and DeAndre Ayton in front of him in terms of impact and what they can do. I think Mikhail Bridges can run around with him the entire time off screens and shut him down. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, he might be on Steph Curry, but I think there are guys you can throw at Clay Thompson. I don't think he's been the X factor the added value that people were expecting to take them to the next level. So that's one thing about the Warriors that I haven't been as impressed with. I also don't like their bench as much as I like the Suns bench. The Suns got a lot deeper during the trade deadline. The Warriors basically did nothing. Um, So I think that's another advantage for the Suns. And they were there last year. I mean, I think they're playing with a different mentality. They're better in clutch games. We saw it the other night with the Nuggets coming back from a 10-point deficit with a minute left. like just Mm -hmm. stealing that game in Golden State. Uh, I just think there's something about this Suns team that when they close games, they have the factor. And there have been times this season where the Warriors have had laps in judgment like they did this past week against the Nuggets. So I think it's a healthy debate. But right now I'm firmly a believer in the Suns. Well, if we know Mitchell sells like history of trying to bet anything, uh, bet against the Bucks and bet against the Warriors, uh, because especially if both of us are on the Bucks, then that means nothing's going to go well for either of us. So that's my take on the whole thing. Uh, this we thank you guys for listening to this part. We're going to be right back. We're going to bring on some cereal and brews. We are back with some cereal and brews, um, and Aaron and I are looking forward to this next weekend. So we're still apart this weekend. I'm in St. Louis. He's in Chicago. But this man is making his, what is it, a five-and-a-half-hour train ride to St. Louis on Friday uh, this week, this coming week, to come see his boy here in St. Louis. Um, and we're going to finally be, be able to record another podcast in person. And, Aaron, how are you, how are you looking forward to your first U.S. train train ride? Well, I've had a U.S. train ride when I was very young, but... Let me uh, phrase that. First one that you're going to remember. (laughs) Here we go. Uh, Looking forward to it very much, actually. Um, We talked about this previously, but there's like a romantic feeling around trains, I feel like, for most people. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the time just to like sit back, relax, read, do something else besides focus on the road. And 
uh, yeah, I think it's going to be great. So I'm really looking forward to the train ride and looking forward to being in St. Louis. It'll be great to see the family and everybody and hang out and play some 2K and uh, and whatnot. So yeah, it'll be a really good time. Yeah, I mean, trust me, the family is looking forward to seeing you too. Uh, we, but you know, talk, keeping in the train ride talk, I, I've thought about it. Trains might be my favorite way to travel. Like, honestly, I mean, f- favorite being like also thinking cost effective and just like for like leisure, because like mm-hmm. thinking about car rides, like you, you either are the one driving or you're worried about the person driving train rides. I'm thinking about, OK, all I'm worried about all right, just which stop am I getting off at in five hours? And also, it's just about the same amount of time. I'm paying just as much as I would for gas at this. I mean, almost at that point, I feel like trains are just so easy. Plus, there's the option to just go get food whenever you need to. Yeah, totally. Um yeah, I, I put it above ships. Never been on boats. a ship, but I get seasick. And no. after watching the Titanic a few weeks ago, there's no <laughs> way in hell I'm going on a ship. Uh, planes, not super enjoyable for me, especially now with the mask situation. Right. I love that. Just being up in the air, it's already kind of smells bad and is stuffy and gets really hot. And you're next to somebody that you probably don't want to be next to and all of that. Again, motion sickness, not great. I'm not going to have that issue on train. We're on flat ground. We're going to be cruising. It's going to be nice. I wish we were going through maybe a more scenic part of the United States. I will say that. Um, but other than that, I, I, I'd agree with you. I think it's the best way to travel. Yeah. No, I'm, and like I said, like when you're thinking about it, just like I don't have to worry about anything around me. You sometimes like a train. I mean, like a plane, you have to worry about someone sitting next to you code hack to it all just sit in the seat in the aisle and then put your bag in the window seat and then once the train starts going then you move although there's stops and people will get on here and there but i mean most of the people are not getting on the the car you're getting on so hopefully for that um but that's just a little code hack for you whenever you're on your ride how are the seats like they do they have like little tables yeah um are they comfortable do you like have to can you recline them? Like, how does it work? So like airplane etiquette, I wouldn't recline. Um, but like, uh, there is a little tray table. You have that. Um, seats are all depending on the train you chose. I don't know which train you chose uh, or like the kind of train you chose. Uh, but most of the time, they're not so bad. I mean, and you they if you luck out with some good legroom, there you go. I mean, the legroom on trains are like average out to be better than what a plane ride uh, air legroom would be, which is always what I appreciate. Um, so that's, that's never an issue. Uh, the comfortability of a, of a train is also never been an issue for me because I'm also not worried about, like, like I said, you're not worried really about the person sitting next to you as much. So I'm, you'll be fine. You'll enjoy it. And it's, I mean, you've been on trains whenever in Europe, which was a little different than this, but I, I think Mm -hmm. you're going to enjoy yourself uh, on this train ride. (laughs) Sweet. I'm looking forward to it. Talking to the guy who's been on three train rides to Chicago at this point. Right. Yeah. A veteran. <laughs> sure. Something like that. Um, but no, yeah, we're excited. I mean, I'm excited to host you over here. It's gonna be great. Like you said, it's gonna be a chill weekend. I mean, it is gonna be Mardi Gras weekend in St. Louis. So whether or not we take part in Mardi Gras festivities, that is TBD. But um, because people from work have asked me to bring you with me to any sort of oh, thing boy. that goes on. I, I know. Um, talk to my boss, Sam. He's, he's been wanting that. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for you to be here, man. It's gonna be great just to you know get to spend time with you in, in person. We, uh, I guess it'll be almost three. I mean, it'll be two months since I've seen you. Whenever you come in, so I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be a great time. Looking forward to some Mama Cell cooking as well. Uh, oh yeah, maybe some Evan cooking if we if we get blessed with that as well. Uh, I always love whatever Evan cooks up. So we'll have to do uh, maybe a guac taste test. I know that's been the Ooh. debate uh between evan and i uh so yeah looking looking forward to it it'll be a good time big there'll be a big lunch on saturday so that's that's the that seems to be the plan right now so we can make that happen uh thank you guys for listening to this episode we appreciate it so much uh like i said like i always say follow us on twitter you can find us at hooper's almanac on twitter uh if you're listening to this you have to be listening to it on spotify if you aren't listening to it please tell me where you're finding this so i can uh find the illegal streams and take it down uh you can uh, you're finding us uh if you follow us if you're listening to us on spotify follow us so that way you know whenever a new episode comes out also hit that bell in the top corner so that way you're notified as well 
if you want to reach out to us, you can reach out to us at hoopers.almanac at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We love you guys so much. Thank you for everything. And, uh, you know, Celtics, whenever you come back from this All-Star break, just lead us off with a few uh, two good wins coming back from All-Star break. Uh, have a good one, guys. Bye.